welcome to another episode of Wesley Union and our liturgical series. Um, today we're going to talk about Epiphany, um, and we are joined by Derek Scott, who we've talked about, I think, in every other um, one of these conversations, and who you might have seen on Studio Wesley Annex. Um, but he is also the executive director of Camp City Wesley Foundation, which is the organization that sponsors Studio Wesley. Um, so, Derek, how are you today? I am good. I'm just doing the thing. Very excited to be here. <laughs> it's always nice to get your insight on stuff like this. Um, so for our listeners and viewers who don't know you as well, can you give me a little bit about yourself? You know, the, the 411 on you that I maybe know, but maybe I don't know. Uh, so let's see. I am, as you said, campus minister for CCW. I'm also a part-time beer tender. Um, at Intuition Aleworks um, here in Jacksonville. I love flying Delta, love reading theology books. I love my two animals, Julian, who's a Bengal, and Winston, uh, which is a uh, Chihuahua mix, quarter rat terrier. Um, what else do you want to know? I mean, whatever you want to say, man. You don't have to say anything else, or you can throw out a fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Okay. Fun fact. Um, I, oh, this is so hard. My favorite color is black. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. It goes with everything. Yes. But a deflection is I wear blue most often. Mm. But my favorite color is not blue. My favorite color is actually black. See, my favorite color is blue, but I wear black way more than I wear blue. Although yeah. I have blue hair, so like. I um, I mean, I, I have black hair <laughs> and black facial hair. And I'm wearing my black blue light blockers. Maybe um, you got a green beanie on, so like. I do have a green beanie. Um, but I have a good set of black beanies. I can always use more black beanies, quite honestly. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your fun fact. Um, but now to, you know, get down to the real reason we're all here today to talk about mm -hmm. Epiphany. Mm -hmm. um, so, Derek, uh, why does Epiphany matter? And even why does the liturgical calendar matter? Why is it important? Like, why do we mm. even care about these seasons? Um. So I, I, oh, there's so much that I could say here, but the, the liturgical calendar, um, it, it, we engage it for many different reasons, but I think one of the reasons that I really resonate with for engaging the liturgical calendar is that we, we want to shape our year, our actual living year around the life of Christ. We, we, if we're being formed into the image of Jesus, uh, we want to represent him in this world. We need his story. We need his narrative. Um, we need that narrative to begin to seep into our narrative. That that's, that's the story we're living by. And again, this is where like I could go and nerd out, but we're all living a story. We're all living out a narrative, uh, either that we've been given or that we are constructing. And one of the things that we want to do as followers of Jesus is we want we want to live our lives in the narrative in the in his narrative, and so we start with Advent, and we'll, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but we start with Advent, which again, Advent is not 
the story of Jesus' coming. It's the story of the expectation of Jesus. Um, we get to his coming at Christmas, and that's when we celebrate that at Christmas. But Advent, it's, it, it, it's, our, it's the beginning of the story where there was great anticipation that God would do something. So then we have Christmas. God does what God does in the person of Jesus. And then we get to Epiphany. And Epiphany is the season where we acknowledge and we celebrate Christ being revealed to the world. It'd be one thing if, uh, and it is one thing to talk about Jesus coming into the world, but if nobody knows about it, if nobody's you know, aware of that, then it, what does it, not that what does it matter, but that it sort of diminishes the, the, the power of the story in many ways. And so what Epiphany is, is that next intentional step that not only does God hear our anticipation and our, and our longing, and not only does God answer our longing in the person of Jesus, but now God is revealing the answer in the person of Jesus. And the Epiphany is all about that revealing. That's what an epiphany is, right? That you all of a sudden discover something that maybe was right in front of you all along. You discover something that maybe you've not seen before, but all of a sudden it's, it's this thing that is so magnificent, magnificent, so right in the pocket of what you need that it's like, wow, oh my gosh, this is, this. I just have this epiphany. And so this whole season is about the revelation of God and what that might mean for us. And so I think that epiphany is a really important season because we, we get to ask some questions about how God has revealed Jesus into the world and how might that shape our thinking about him. And then also, I think, our thinking about ourselves and how we are now arriving into this world. And what does the revelation of Jesus both in our lives and because of our lives, what does that mean for the world around us? So, there's a lot there um, and a lot of different angles. That's why these, all of these uh, holidays within the liturgical calendar are rich with images and symbolism and ideas and takeaways. There's not just one take. There's so many different takes. I just gave you one kind of slight angle of a section <laughs> of a take. So, um, so there's a lot to work with there. Yeah, that's fantastic. As always, I always, I'm just, I said this in like every episode, but part of the reason that I decided to do this was so that I could learn about all the different liturgical uh, seasons and days and whatnot, because I didn't know a ton about them. And so it's interesting to hear everyone's like kind of takes on the different days and like acknowledge that there are more takes and see there's overlap and intersection in some ways. Um, one thing you said that really stuck out to me though, was you're talking about how the revelation um, from this means something, right? And like whenever we, um, Whenever Jesus reveals things about himself to us, it means things for us in the world. And whenever we're revealing, being revealed things about ourselves through Jesus, it means things. And I'm wondering if you can think of a specific time in your life whenever some, that happened, whenever Jesus revealing himself or inviting you to reveal more of yourself had an impact. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so many stories. When I was 18, and when I was turning 18, I actually turned 18 in Sydney, Australia. And I went to Hillsong Conference that year. Uh, it was my first time, the first of 10 trips that I would eventually make uh, to Australia. And um, the, my, on the night of my birthday, there was this altar call. And the altar call uh, was actually for, when they made the altar call, 
they made the altar call for people who felt called into ministry. And for me, even though I've been in a ministry family, I've been doing ministry arguably since I was nine, um, involved deeply in church ministry. I had never sort of said yes for myself. Like it was sort of what the family did, but I hadn't decided that Derek would say that. It just felt very fitting. This is happening on my birthday. I'm turning 18. I'm in Australia. I should make this decision for myself. And so I go down to the front of this um, you know, Pentecostal altar call. I get down there and the pastor's name is Ray McCauley. He's a pastor in South Africa. And he says, um, <laughs> all right, let's pray for these pastors. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was not thinking, and I had a certain idea of what a pastor was. I was not coming down here trying to be anybody's pastor. I was really coming down here. I did music. That's the only reason I came to that conference because for the music, I sing. I don't talk. I'm not here. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a pastor. Yeah, I want to be a worship pastor maybe one day, but not, but even that, like, no, 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 no. Let's, but it's a Pentecostal um, and I got to make this story shorter. It's a Pentecostal altar call. You don't leave the Pentecostal altar call early. Like that's like code for somebody lay hands on that guy. And so like, I knew that. So I'm like, I'm not leaving early. So I'm in, the, I'm in the altar call. And as Ray McCauley's praying over us, I'm like, not Jesus, you know that I am not called to be a pastor. And I could have sworn that I heard Jesus say to me, um, actually, Derek, I do intend for you to pastor people. That is my intention for you. Now, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on in that story, but I will tell you sort of what was revealed to me and then sort of how that then leads to how I arrive in, in people's lives. One of the things that was revealed to me is, is you know, you get this calling to do pastoral work, to be a pastoral leader, a spiritual leader for people. I didn't think I was qualified for it. I mean, that's really what was at the core of me. I'm, I'm not a pastor. Like, it wasn't that I wasn't completely sure if I wanted to do that or not. Yeah, no, I mean, I hadn't even given any thought to it because I was just sure I wasn't qualified for it. And so I recognize that many people, often what's behind their no is a lack of confidence in the thing they're being invited to do. And so one of the things that I hope to be a revelation, a conduit of revelation for others is this sense that God believes in us a whole lot more than we believe in us. And God sees gifting in us that we didn't even know was there. And I hope, again, because of what was revealed to me, that there was a whole lot more to me than being a singer. So it's nothing wrong if that's your whole life, but there was a whole lot more to me than being a singer I hope to be a kind of person that steps into other people's lives and can be a conduit of a revelation that there's one, a lot more gifting in you than you realize. And two, God is so much more invested in your future than you'll ever be. So I hope that spoke to what you were trying to get at. Yeah, no, that was great. That was, yeah, incredible as always. And what's interesting when I always hear you talk about, you know, like this whole journey of like pastor not a pastor you're on you serve as a pastor like you're a campus minister but you're not ordained right right like you're a lay person but mm -hmm. you've been doing this for 18 years but mm -hmm. you don't feel 
called from what I understand at this point to get ordained, like to have sacramental authority. That's not. Not here for it. And I don't, and, and someone say, well, do you think that maybe you just are saying no because you don't feel confident? Like we'd have to get deeper into my story to know that it's not that. Um, I would say that it's because I've something else that's been revealed, right? Like something has been revealed to me about the road that I need to be on. And, and again, that's where I then invite my, those, those in my spiritual uh, leader, in my spiritual realm of leadership and care to consider that maybe your journey doesn't look like somebody else's journey to live out your calling may be completely counterintuitive and countercultural to the expectations of the world around you, the people around you, even your family. But you got to do everything you can to follow Jesus. Mm. Um, even if that road is an unconventional role. Now, let me also say, Sarah, I'm not saying that there is no scenario that I will never be ordained. I just don't see it right now. I'm also grown to a place where I, I don't tell Jesus things I won't be doing. <laughs> uh, tell him what I'm not excited about. Like, I'm not excited about ever moving south. <laughs> I do not want to go where the chances of heat are greater than they are at the moment. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to always follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus in whatever direction he pulls me into. Mm-hmm. But often that direction is counterintuitive to what the world says. Do you think that, that that's part of like what epiphany means to you personally? Is like inviting, like considering the ways in which Jesus is revealing himself to you and like working on you to reveal some more. Is that kind of what epiphany means for you on a personal level? Yes. I mean, I think because, and I think it's beautiful that epiphany is at the beginning of the calendar year because there's this invitation to have our eyes open to the new thing that God wants to do. And we look at many of the stories that speak to epiphany for us. Some of the main stories, it's the revelation of Jesus to the Magi, the wise men. And this is a new thing. This doesn't sound new to us, but to those who are living this uh, story of God moving through Israel, if Jesus is Israel's king, Israel's true king, what is Jesus doing being revealed to non-Israelite people? <laughs> what did he do? And not just non-Israelite people, non-Yahweh-fearing people. I mean, they, they may have some room for Yahweh, but it's not just Yahweh. Um, we believe that these are probably Zoroastrians, which is a very different um, frame religious sort of perspective on the world. These are folks who are paying attention to the stars and the bodies that are moving in the heavens. Very different take than the way that, um, at least my understanding of how most uh, children of Abraham think about the stars, right? Like, so that, there's this new thing that God's doing. There's this new thing, the, the, um, the wedding at Cana, um, where Jesus turns water into wine. This is a new thing, okay? The, the baptism of Jesus, where John baptizes him, and there's this sense that heaven not just smiles, but celebrates this more. These are new things that God is doing. And for us who have heard these stories over and over again, they can become a bit rote. But this is a new thing. And so, yeah, I think that Epiphany is positioned in the calendar year in such a way for us to say, what might be the new thing that God wants to do through Jesus in my life and through my life? 
What are the ways that God may want to open up the conversation beyond those that I've normally invited? What are the ways that God wants to step into the real world, as we would call it, not the the world that is within the four walls of our religious gatherings, but the real world? In what ways does God want to step into the real world and bring new wine? In what ways does God want to affirm God's love for God's people in a way that literally shapes the whole year. Mm. So I think that's where Epiphany really becomes significant for us. Mm. Such good stuff, Derek. I can't wait to dive into the second half of this discussion. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Rockin'. Wesley is sponsored by Campus to City Wesley, a ministry of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. During this holiday season, Campus to City Wesley is engaging in their year-end giving campaign. This year, we are inspired by the words of Jeremiah 29, as we have seen God building up a ministry that goes beyond our plans, leveraging online spaces to prosper our ministry even in the midst of a pandemic. If you would like to support the work we are doing here at Studio Wesley, consider donating to Campus to City Wesley by visiting campusthecity.org slash YEG2020. All right, everyone, we are back for the second half of this epiphany discussion with Derek. It's been so good so far. Um, Let's just dive right in. We've touched on this a little bit, um, but what's the story behind and the reason for celebrating Epiphany and why is it significant for us today? We, <laughs> it has to do with the wise men, the magi, you know, but like give us all the details. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll repeat myself in some respects here, here too, but um, Epiphany is the celebration, the acknowledgement of, of Jesus being revealed. How has God revealed Jesus into the world? In fact, let me, let me go to, um, uh, definition of this comes from the UMC discipleship website. Uh, and I was, I'll just read this to you. The word epiphany means appearance or manifestation. Popular usage likens epiphany to words such as eureka or aha. Use of this word by some English speakers conjures images of having a light bulb turned on or of being able to see something that was once hidden from view. The text for the Sundays after Epiphany dramatized the many ways that we people came to understand who Jesus was through his baptism, the miracle at the wedding, or through that bodacious declaration in his hometown synagogue. But this ever-widening circle of revelation began outside the circle of Judaism, so to speak, with the Magi. So it goes into the story of Jesus being revealed to the Magi. So Epiphany Sunday specifically is that celebration of Jesus um, being seen by these three wise men, these three Magi. And it is theologically, the, uh, the, the theological significance rather of that moment is that Jesus is not just for the Jews, our Christian reading of the Old Testament, but Jesus is also for the world, the Gentiles, non-Jews. And that's what there's, that's where the significance is of Epiphany Sunday, which then leads us into the season of Epiphany, 
where we're looking at these significant ways that we we understand Jesus, that God has revealed Jesus to us. And so that's where um, we get into some core stories about who Jesus is and how Jesus responds to the world. Um, And so much of our liturgy, at least in United Methodism, comes out of that. When we are doing communion liturgy, we reflect on Jesus uh, turning water into wine, right? The wedding at Cana. We reflect on, um, and and it prepares us for Lent when we think about Jesus' baptism, right? And we even think about when Jesus says, I believe in Luke 4, he repeats Isaiah 61. He says, this riddle of God is upon me. And he's like, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And we're like, what? Like, well, they're like, what? And then they try to throw him off the mountain. But <laughs> again, all of this is, is this revelation of Jesus, this understanding of Jesus that we have through the text. And again, we are trying to live into that. And so here we have acknowledged the anticipation. We've acknowledged the coming. And now we acknowledge the revelation. And yes, the revelation should drive us to some deep, deep reflection. It should. And that's where Lent will come in. Lent, we should be driven into the wilderness, if you will, because the revelation, the new thing that God is doing among us should like, it it should be like, oh my gosh, what is this going to mean? What is this? What does this mean for my life? What does this mean for the way that I live? And again, we do this every year because yeah, there should be some transition. There should be some, some, some evolving that happens over years of living this cycle. So I'm going to stop there because I've probably gone in directions that you didn't want me to go. But ultimately, this season is about the revelation of Jesus and our response to that revelation. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting whenever you were you were reading the thing from the UMC Discipleship website and, you know, talking about kind of uh, conventional takes on, you know, like what epiphany kind of relates to the eureka, the aha moment. And I was like, kind of thinking about what that feels like usually. And it's a lot of times for me, like a veil has been pulled back and removed. And then all of a sudden I was thinking about whenever Jesus died on the cross and he said it is finished and like the veil was torn, right? And like, there was this, revelation is connected to this, this new opportunity mm-hmm. um, to be in oneness with God. And it's just so interesting to me how the liturgical seasons that center on the beginning of Jesus's life also tie into the like end of his earthly life, right? Like there is yeah. this very cervical, um serpent eating its tail kind mm-hmm. of thing happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I said that on some about some more Advent stuff when I was talking to some of the different pastors, but like even more so almost in this case, it seems like just kind of the, even just the name of it, right? Like epiphany, like this, Mm -hmm. what would that have been like to like be there in that, in the temple in Jerusalem, whenever Mm -hmm. that happened, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Just so many feelings. (laughs) And I'll just add this in, in, you know, one more piece of it is that um, Epiphany Sunday specifically, or it, the day of Epiphany rather, is the, what's also known as the 12th night. So if you're celebrating Christmastide, which is the season before Epiphany, Christmastide ends on Epiphany. And you would, so it is 12 days from Christmas Day. 
And there was a tradition way, way back when, we don't, we don't do this now, but there was a tradition that you would give gifts to people that you loved excuse me, every day of Christmas tide. We don't do that anymore, y'all. The song comes um, great. Yeah, that, that's not what we're doing. But um, that, so th- again, like there's this sort of coinciding. And I wonder if there's this sense of like, here's the ultimate gift on the 12th night. Here's the ultimate gift. Jesus revealed to the world. This, this is the gift. These are cool. All these other guys, but this is the gift. So. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm just thinking about the other like Bible stories you mentioned, you know, like the wedding at Cana, like, you know, this revelation of like the good wine was saved for last, right? Like Mm -hmm. this, Mm -hmm. just all these parallels that like reinforce the point. Yeah, yeah, just definitely. So incredible, so incredible. Um. I guess I'm wondering how, how do you think, like, I know I've said a lot and you've said some too about the ways, like there are these parallels throughout, but like, how does epiphany center us in the overarching story of scripture? Like if you had to look at the whole Bible, we've talked, I think a lot about the new Testament, but like going back to the old Testament some more, yes, there's like the Isaiah 61 text that Jesus, you know, but like in the overarching story, you know, not just the gospels and Jesus's life, how, how does epiphany center us in that? Yeah, so I think broadly, one thing that we want to consider is that there really is enough of the Jesus story, the narrative, that we could do this year after year after year and not exhaust the story. And there's, you know, there's reasons, you know, some years to go super heavy on the liturgical calendar and like like full on live into it. And then it's, you know, there's, it's reason we'll say, you know, this year we're gonna celebrate it in the background and that's fine. But I I think that one of the things, and I get this from Vanessa Zoltan of uh, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, one of the things that makes something sacred, one of the things is that we believe that it will continue to give gifts to us. It will continue to add value to our lives. And so I think the question that, and the proposal that I think Epiphany offers us is, is there more that these stories about the revealing of Jesus and our understanding of who Jesus is, is there more that they offer us? You know, some of us have memorized these stories. You know, I've been doing church since I was four. And while I haven't celebrated the liturgical calendar all of that time, these stories about Jesus have lived with me for a long time. Jesus is, I use a part of um, our Baptist liturgy around communion included literally saying the, the scripture, scriptures around the baptism and the last supper Constantly, every first Sunday, I would recite those those verses. So that's in me, right? And the and the question is, do I think those those stories, those scriptures, have more to tell me, or have I learned everything that they have to offer? And this is what is at the core of our sacred observance of anything. 
So we believe that there's more that's available to us, that there's more value, there's more gift that's in there waiting to be given to us. And so I think that for those of us who celebrate the liturgical calendar broadly, but the season of Epiphany specifically, it gives us a chance to go get more value out of these stories. And also, again, broadly to be shaped by the life of Jesus, and specifically as it relates to Epiphany, to be shaped by his revelation, our understanding of him, and what that can mean for our lives in this world. And so a beautiful question that I've yet to ask many people have never preached this, is not so much how do you observe Epiphany, but how do, how do the people around us observe us in Epiphany? Because people observe us in a very specific way during the Christmas season, right? And I'm, I'm speaking of the cultural Christmas season, not the liturgical Christmas season. Um, people encounter us in a very, we're either gift people or we're party people or we're, we're going to decorate our house. It's like, you know, we're, you know, we're going to make our light bill three times what it is normally because we're going to put up all these lights. Um, we're going to you know, give our time to ringing bells for the Salvation Army. We're going to, there's all these different things that sort of say, oh, that person is celebrating the Christmas season. That person is being intentional about the Christmas season. Even happy holidays or Merry Christmas, right? How do people observe us celebrating Epiphany if we do? How do they know that we are looking to be surprised, looking for the epiphany, looking to have our eyes open to the new thing that God's doing. How do they know that? And again, I don't think that's a question you answer one year, answer one year. I think it's a question you answer across multiple years. So yeah, that's my thought there. Mm. That is a very longitudinal approach. And like, that isn't, that's you counting on those full 120 years right there, Derek. <laughs> I'm here for it. I do intend to, uh, I, I want to celebrate Epiphany on Earth another, I guess, what, 80 years? That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Let's see. We'll see what God does. <laughs> you know, a beautiful thing. And there is something, I know, I, again, I'm new to the liturgical calendar, but like, there are like things I remember about like, my first Ash Wednesday and like my second Ash Wednesday and like the way it's like changed and like been meaningful for me in different ways. And like, I, and maybe that's because I just, I've only been celebrating liturgical like holidays for like, you know, four years now, something like that. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's cause I'm new to them that I have all those fresh memories, but like there is something powerful to that though. Like to look back and look forward and it's like, you know, whenever you, if you, if you journal, right. And you go back and read old journal entries and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like where I was and how far I've come. And like, I, that is still relevant. Like that is impacting me now, but also that helps inform the future. And yeah, I, it's a long game that you're playing there, but like, it's, it's a meaningful one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll just say that after doing this for so many years, these, these liturgical holidays really have shaped me. Um, they really have um, done something internally in me. And so when, you know, I recognize that the world is at a certain place in the calendar, 
But for me, you know, we're still in Advent and I'm, I'm in Advent. I am in it. I am not at celebration mode. I am at deep longing and anticipation mode right now. And so it doesn't really matter how, you know, what the movies are on Hallmark, though I don't really watch those. And it doesn't really matter all the lights and stuff that's on and how many people, I mean, today somebody said Merry Christmas and I was like, but it ain't Christmas. Yeah, it ain't, I get it, but it ain't Christmas. Happy uh, Yes, right? Like uh, I'm still there. I'm still, and I think that that's a gift to the world too. An odd gift, <laughs> but I think it's, a, and, and I will celebrate, I have committed to celebrating Christmas Tide in a way that I've never celebrated it before. I'm celebrating it this year. Um, and D and some like, oh, ah, it's going to no, be great. I'm like, I'm excited. hearing about that. Yeah, I'm excited about celebrating Christmas Tide this year. And then when I get to Epiphany, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of resolution maybe that's in there, but I really am going to ask Jesus to open my eyes, open up my eyes to the new thing that Jesus wants to do in and around my life. Um, these, these celebrations have shaped me to where I know what the world says. The world says it's a certain time, but I'm living on a different calendar. I'm living from a different perspective. And, and I think it helps me lean into my calling of who I am for the sake of the world. Mm. I do. Mm. Well, I think that's a beautiful place to land this discussion and this journey. Cause that's just, that's something you got to sit with for a minute. Like, yeah. yeah. So Derek, thank you so much for, mm. Thanks for having me. Adding. Um, always, always incredible. Love it. Appreciate you. Friends. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.